The Alliance said they were going to waltz through Serenity Valley, and we choked them with those words. We've done the impossible, and that makes us mighty. Just a little while longer, our angels are going to be soaring overhead, raining fire on those arrogant cards. So you hold. You hold! Go! Really think we can bring her down, sir? Even need to ask? Welcome to Welcome to Storybrook. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And, uh, man, this this season's really swinging back and forth in terms of quality, isn't it? This episode is really bad, and it's ableist, and it ends with the least romantic proposal I've ever seen in my entire life. Wow. Yep. Wow. Yep. This episode also contains some pretty serious character assassination of Neil, but it's totally worth it to rewrite Bay as a character in order to further the Gideon plot, I guess, except it's not really furthering the Gideon plot. So, okay, here's the, just, we're going to get into it in more detail, obviously, but just quick recap here. It turns out that before Bay was the Bay that we all know, he was completely different. In fact, he was just like Gideon, and Rumple used forgetting tea on him and that's what turned him into the good Neil that we know and unfortunately this won't work on Gideon because he was raised by fairies and isn't that a shame you know what that's the plot of this episode yeah this adds nothing to the plot this doesn't improve our understanding of Bay as a character it doesn't improve our understanding of Rumpel's motivations and it doesn't give him a practical solution for what to do about the fact that Gideon is hell-bent on killing Emma This whole episode doesn't really further the plot at all. I guess a little bit in the last, like, five minutes. Yes, you mean with the world's least romantic proposal? Oh, I was talking about what happens with the evil queen. Yes, the- weirdly enough, the only part of this episode that really matters is the part with Robin Hood. Have I ever said that sentence before? Has anyone? This actually kind of reminds me of when I fell off on Lost, which was when I realized I could just watch the first three minutes of an episode and the last five minutes of an episode and not miss anything. That's really true for the middle seasons of Lost, definitely. Well, let's get into it. All right. So this is season six, episode 13, Ill-Boating Patterns. So as a reminder, last episode... Wish first Robin Hood stole a magic box from Regina's vault. Hook was going to propose to Emma, but then didn't because he remembered that he killed David's dad. For some reason, he remembered this. He's killed so many people. Oh, we should bring that up because somebody messaged us to ask about that. It doesn't make sense. You know, I don't think last week we emphasized enough how little sense that makes. Because Hook realized that he's the one who killed David's dad... By seeing the badly photoshopped image of David's dad from when he met Pinocchio in Pleasure Island. I mean, the whole point of the terrible Photoshop is that you can't recognize people once they've been photoshopped filtered that much. That was in season one. It was the running thing of no one recognizing their own badly photoshopped selves in Henry's book. And yet somehow Hook saw that one page and he realized that the man out of context in that page 
was the guy that he had randomly killed on the street in the Enchanted Woods hundreds of years ago. In the dark. In a place where it didn't really even make any sense for him to be. Well, in all fairness, it was like 40 years ago. I... Or, uh, I guess it could be a, a there's so hundred. Much, there's so much time displacement. Yeah. So, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It is an unnecessary complication thrown in at the last minute to make it difficult for Hook and Emma to get together. It is the worst rom-com trope. The contrived complication. Made even worse because this is not a show that is centered on the romance, so we should not be giving it this much oxygen. Speaking of contrived... So, the episode proper opens with the first Ogre's War. Which you'll remember was when Rumpel took the power of the Dark One initially, because he wanted to stop the Ogre War so that his son would not get drafted into the army. Now, we see a, I want to say kid, I can't really tell the age of the actor. He looks really young, but I'm not sure if he's like, in his 20s looks really young, or if he's actually supposed to be one of those kids that they recruited forcibly into the army oh you're, you're right i think he is supposed to be yeah i think he is supposed to be one of those kids so he's probably supposed to be between 14 and 18 and we specifically want to see how cruel this random soldier is to him when he wants to run because they're desperately outnumbered they're desperately outnumbered and they don't have any legitimate way to fight the ogres again Every time people go into battle with the ogres, they all get wiped out. It's interesting that the show seemed to agree that Rumpel was a coward for running from the ogre wars. But also, we're seeing that this soldier, who will turn out to be Beowulf, is cruel because he doesn't understand why this child is scared of fighting the ogres when they have no chance. That's weird. I didn't come at this thinking that the narrative was portraying Beowulf that way. I mean, Maybe I was bringing my own judgment to it. I mean, logically, that is what you would get out of this. But in a weird way, it kind of reminds me of the opening bit of Firefly. Of course, right? Yeah, you know, Beowulf is the brave man leading his troops into a battle that needs to be fought. And the odds are against them, but they are true heroes and they will make it through. Especially Beowulf, because he has a magic sword that was enchanted to kill ogres. The army at the beginning of Firefly got slaughtered too. Hmm. Mm. And this guy is no Nathan Fillion. Because he tells the kid, he's like, don't worry, we're the good guys. We're gonna win. I have a sword that was infused with light magic that can defeat any enemy and make you the hero of a battle. So don't worry, bro. We're all gonna be fine because I have a magic sword that will protect me. He tells the kid that he can either fight in this battle to protect the people he loves or he can run and be a coward. Um, let's not gloss over the most important thing, though. This magical light blade that will let him be victorious is the same blade Emma is seen in her vision being killed by. Hmm. So, this goes badly almost immediately. The, uh, the ogres basically just wipe out all of the non-Beowulf guys with bare minimum effort. Now, I want to point out there is one character in this show who has successfully defeated an ogre not using magic. Yes. Mary Margaret, back in season two, by shooting the ogre in the eye with an arrow, which she said the only way to kill an ogre is to shoot it in the eye. 
Yes. Now in the timeline, though, Mary Margaret won't be born for a hundred years yet, so that's not helpful. It, it it's not, but maybe they haven't learned that you have to shoot them in the eye. I suppose so, because otherwise it seems asinine that all of these people are running at them with swords, just to you know. Especially when the ogres are ginormous, like Beowulf, who actually does get some hits in, is hacking at the ogre's shin. The only reason it's working is, again, because he's wielding a blade made out of light magic. But there are several more ogres. Like, one, even if you have a magical blade, one single magical blade isn't going to help you when you're overwhelmed by tens of ogres. Yeah. Speaking of, the kid we saw getting the inspiring speech is basically immediately smooshed by an ogre who steps on him, which has to be an embarrassing way to die. Right? Like, he just gets stomped into a mud hole. So, the battle's done, and I'd say the battle's done and we kind of won, but no. Yeah, nope. There's a bunch of dead people. I guess Beowulf killed a few ogres, but, like... Yeah, maybe, but it's the very definition of a Pyrrhic victory. His entire army is dead, and there are still ogres coming at him. Specifically, a boss ogre. Like, it really looks like this is the boss of the video game Beowulf is playing. Yes, the boss ogre is wearing a helmet, a horned helmet, which he takes off and uses to just bat Beowulf away. Yeah, swords aren't useful against ogres batting at you with helmets, apparently. Yeah, a weird choice, but okay. And Beowulf is knocked to the ground, sword thrown from his hand. Honestly, he's about to die when the ogre bursts into flame and disappears. It's actually a really cool effect, like fiery lines appear through the ogre's body and then it just falls apart yes and then standing behind him is rumpelstiltskin with his dagger saying yep i killed all the ogres you're welcome now this episode could really have a good lesson about heroism it doesn't but it could because the reason beowulf like when beowulf was talking to the kid earlier he was talking about how the realm needs heroes to protect them. They're doing this to keep their families safe. Sure. And throughout the episode, we'll see, no, Beowulf just wants glory. And yet, he's somehow the person who this show is on the side of, despite yeah. all of the terrible things he does. Ish, again, I, the episode doesn't really, the episode isn't really consistent enough because it goes back on that so much. I, I guess we should save that for when we find out more about what Beowulf's deal is. But Beowulf is not thrilled to be rescued by the Dark One. Which is pretty ungrateful, if you ask me. You got a lot of people killed. And he was about to be killed himself. Magic sword or no? I don't know. The magic sword... Maybe it's a King Arthur thing. He where... was prone. The magic sword was, had flown from his hand. He was uh, definitely going to die. Yeah. It's not a great magic sword, then. Well, you know who it was made by. <laughs> it was made by Blue. Spoilers. Not really. For the it's end for, of this episode. For the end of the... Well, for the middle of this episode. So in the present, Hook is getting drunk at Granny's, because Granny's is all things. And right. Sure. I mean, of all of the unbelievable things in this episode, I definitely believe that Granny has a bottle of rum back there. That Granny's cool with people getting day drunk at her... Uh, establishment yes establishment. absolutely i was gonna say diner which is what other people refer to it is but it, it it is all things to all men 
so dr hopper uh sits down next to hook and he's like so how'd it go did did he say yes are you marrying emma and hook's like "Mm." and he's like did he say no and hook's like no no he said yes he practically called me son and and hopper's like oh good so you're engaged to emma so no 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 dr hopper he got permission from david and he is bummed out i i don't get this why doesn't he assume that emma said no that would be the logical assumption here but no he just jumps to if david said yes then what's the problem okay yes that also can we delve into hook tells him that the problem is he has a dark secret A secret so dark that Emma will definitely leave him over it. But no one else knows this secret. Number one, don't tell Hopper because Hopper can't keep a secret. And number two, Dr. Hopper's advice is, well, then just don't tell her. I don't want to say in all fairness to Dr. Hopper, but in vague fairness to Dr. Hopper, he spent a couple of episodes getting tortured by Hook in season two. He might not want to give him great life advice. You think he's, like, giving him sabotage life advice? I don't think that you can tell when it's Dr. Hopper. Oh, burn on Dr. Hopper. But we cut from that to Rumpel wandering around the woods looking for Gideon. He's with Blue and Belle. I guess normally I'd, you know, go blah 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 tracking spell. But in theory, Gideon is a magic person who doesn't want to be found. I could see him doing something to avoid tracking spells working on him. Yeah, he was raised by fairies. I don't think he can... Specifically the black fairy. Yeah, I think he can circumvent magical attempts to find him. Um, I stopped with my when Belle is wearing blue versus when Belle is wearing yellow. But right now, when she is definitely back on the side of Rumple, I do want to point out that she's wearing a yellow skirt. This is one of many things that is not great about the Belle Rumpel relationship, where she seems to forget all of her very legitimate complaints about Rumpel now that there's a new thing that they need to deal with. She's forgetting that the reason this is an issue at all is entirely Rumpel's fault. The reason that Gideon was in a position to be stolen by the Black Fairy is because Belle was worried about what Rumpel was going to do to him. Like, she was, yes, terrible things happened to Gideon, and... Rumple, by the way, gets super angry at the Blue Fairy about this, but terrible things happened to Gideon when Belle was trying to save him from the almost certain abuse of Rumple. Yeah. And yeah. and now, now that they're looking for him again, and now Belle's like, well, I guess we're on the same side now since we're both trying to save Gideon from all of the terrible damage done to him by the Black Fairy, but that's all Rumple's fault. Speaking of things being Rumple's fault, we cut back to the past where everyone in the town is cheering Rumple for stopping the ogres, uh, including New Bay, who... Fake Bay. Okay, so this kid is suffering from a few things. The main thing being, he's just straight up not as good an actor as the old teen Bay. Well, and they're also giving him terrible things to do. Yeah. So I don't want to be mean to the actor because he's getting it on a few fronts bad dialogue, bad character, motivation, but he's also, I think, not as strong of an actor. Okay, but we don't even have to bring the acting into it. Just the motivation that they've given him is terrible, okay? They're in the tavern celebrating. Everybody is cheering Rumple, including Bay, who is so happy that no one has to die. 
when Beowulf comes in and is like, why are you cheering Rumpel? He used dark magic to defeat the ogres. And Rumpel's like, yeah, I did. But see all of these people, they're currently not getting murdered by ogres because of me. So, oh, by the way, here's the sword you dropped at the battlefront. And everyone laughs at Beowulf. That was kind of dickish, but Rumpel had 100% earned it. Yeah. Again, everyone would be dead if it wasn't for him. And then Beowulf's like, how are we supposed to believe that you would do that? You're a coward who ran from the ogre war before. And Rumpel's like, well, I did it to save my son. People do things to save their children. The weird thing is he's like, how did you manage to become the dark one if you were too cowardly to save your son? Also, being the dark one is bad and we're all going to die differently because he used dark magic to save us. And Beowulf's obvious sour grapes over here is enough to convince Bey that it's true, his father is going to turn evil and... He needs to stop using magic immediately, despite how useful it was. In a really weird way, you know what this reminds me of? What? Cole. From Charmed. It is very similar to the plots with Cole. So, in Charmed, Cole is a demon who falls in love with one of the Charmed Ones, decides to use his powers for good. I'm cutting out so much stuff here. We'll get to it when we start uh, Welcome to Hallowell Manor. But later in the show... Everyone treats him like shit all the time because you're just going to become evil again. Like, whenever you do good, it doesn't matter because you're inherently an evil person. And then eventually he does just become straight up evil because why keep being good? Right. Well, here Rumpel isn't being told that he's inherently going to become evil, but rather that using magic is inherently evil. And so if he uses this magic again... That will be evil, even though... Well, that's what Bay's telling that's him. That's what Bay tells him. Beowulf tells everyone that because he is the Dark One, he's going to end up murdering them all. And throughout the episode, we'll see people treating Rumpel and Bay like shit because Rumpel's the Dark One, which just seems like poking a dragon, really. I mean, he became a pariah for stopping the Ogre War. Well, he initially became a pariah for being like, you know what? I'm not going to die for no reason. You know what? I said it before in earlier episodes. Rumpel's main mistake was not just leaving this goddamn town. Which will also come up in this episode. Bay, anyway, Bay asks Rumpel to stop doing dark magic, like never do magic ever again, and then we can live a normal life. Okay, whatever, Bay. Whatever. In the present, Gideon shows up at the sheriff's station, skulking around in his Gideon cloak like a second-year drama student. I mean, seriously, the movement that this guy is doing is ridiculous. Have you seen a very Potter musical? Because he moves like that version of Snape. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what he does. So I love that he takes the time to knock out the uh, security cameras, because... They never checked the security cameras. They did once after Rumpel killed Zelina in the cell. But, like, large parts of the King Arthur season counted on them not checking the security tapes because otherwise they would immediately see that King Arthur was evil. Well, also, the opening of the tapes shows him skulking around, so I don't know what he thinks. Anyway, he's there to steal the hilt of the sword, which got broken two episodes ago. And Rumpel stops him there and uses... A wave of his hand to knock him unconscious. Hmm. You know, just just putting this out there, Rumple, you could just turn him back into a baby now. 
I don't know how I feel about that idea. It's it's not great, but I mean, Rumpel's kind of morally ambiguous anyway, and... I mean, he could. He could. And later parts of this episode will have Gideon talk about how much he doesn't want his past to exist. I mean, with Gideon's permission, that would be the best thing to do. But I don't think Gideon would give permission for that, because as much as he doesn't want his past to exist, he also wants to go kill the Black Fairy. Which... Again, this could be a really interesting plot where there is a character who is nominally on the side of good, but who is using evil means to accomplish good goals, which was more or less what we were supposed to have gotten in the King Arthur season, except they wanted to play that close to the hilt. So it just ended up being a big confusing mess. Yeah. And here he's using evil to good ends is his stupid idea that he has to kill Emma before he can kill the Black Fairy. That's not related to anything. Yeah, he could literally just be like, hey, Emma, come back to the Black Fairy's realm with me and help me kick her ass. Like, if you need savior powers to stop the Black Fairy, just have the savior come with you. Don't stab her so you can get her powers. And I can't even begin to get into how that's not how being the savior works. He doesn't become the savior when he stabs her. Also, Rumpel now has the power of all dark ones. So, even if he couldn't take out the Black Fairy earlier... Yeah, he almost certainly can now. It's hard to not hate a plot when, for it to happen, it relies on everyone making terrible decisions all of the time. Which isn't to say you can't have a plot where characters don't see obvious solutions to their problems, because in real life, people are flawed and sometimes don't think of the obvious solution. So, it makes sense that characters who are behaving like realistic people would also make that mistake it's just he's overlooking so many really obvious things it just makes him come off like an idiot i mean if a character's overlooking obvious solutions i feel like that has to be based in the character you know harry not knowing that sirius had given him a mirror that would have prevented the death of everyone down in the ministry until it was too late is a tragedy built into what we know about that character. So this also suffers from us not caring about Gideon because he's only been introduced to us to bring us this terrible plot. That was the exact example I was going to use. People get mad at Harry because he didn't think of the two-way mirror thing. But, I mean, it was in character for Harry. He was having one of his signature book five temper tantrums. So he didn't open the gift he got from Sirius. Therefore, he didn't know about the two-way mirror thing. So anyway, Wish First Robin has taken Regina's magic box into the woods. It turns out that it's a box full of potions, magical potions. He hears someone coming and he sticks the box in a log. These sound like not very good metaphors, but they're not. <laughs> and the person is Regina wearing... I don't, I don't know. It's the she's, she's wearing a purple business suit with a camel coat. We've talked before about how Regina should not be wearing camel coats. Yeah, it's really not a flattering look. It's, it, it's not her color. Well, she looks like she's cosplaying as Charles Boyle. Yeah, yeah. Regina should never wear neutral colors. She should always be wearing bold colors. Or, or blacks. blacks. So Regina's like, hey, look, I know I kind of freaked you out and I know I've been projecting a lot of stuff onto you, but you're your own person and if if you need space, I can give you space. And Robin's like, 
it's kind of weird that you tracked me down to tell me that you can give me space. Well, also, she tells him that she was able to track him down because this is where the other Robin used to come to think. Hmm. So, really a lot of mixed messages here. But he tells her to leave him alone and he'll come to her mayoral mansion tonight, which he calls her manse because he's old. Meanwhile, Rumpel has tied up Gideon in the clock tower and he's like, look, I'm going to help you, but you are being really, really dumb in the way you're going about this. I wasn't able to save my first son, you know, Neil, whose name I'm not saying for some reason, but I was never able to save him and I can never be a hero. You want to be a hero, but you need to do dark things to become a hero. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to be your moral whipping boy and do all of the dark things that you need done so your soul isn't darkened. Yeah, it's bad. All this this motivation is bad. Basically, he's going to help Gideon out in the hopes that Gideon will realize that he shouldn't do what he's doing. And he tells Gideon that he became the dark one to save his son but that darkened his soul and that's why he never became a hero no rumple it was because you loved your power more than your family that's why your soul got darkened and honestly you did very briefly become a hero when you sacrificed yourself to kill peter pan back in season three to save your son it was one of those death equals redemption things which didn't end up panning out because you know you came back yeah Gideon seems to think, by the way, that this won't happen to him and his soul won't be darkened because he'll be the savior and the savior's soul can't be darkened, which is also not a thing about how the savior works. Yeah, there was a whole season plot about that, you know, where Emma darkened her soul and then, you know, became the dark one. In the flashback, Not Bay comes running into their cabin with his face covered in shit. Yes. It turns out that the baker boy put mud on his face to make him look like a monster like Rumpel, which I don't get the logic here. Right? Like, his father has a power that you inherently think is evil and has a shit ton of power and you're going to beat up his kid. All right, so... There's a kid in town whose dad just stopped the entire town from being murdered by ogres. This guy is a literal monster, a literal godlike monster who can kill by thinking about it hard. And you're like, you know what's a good idea? I'm gonna bully his kid. Oh my god. What is the thought process there? Everyone in this town deserves to die. There's actually a bit in X-Men Evolution after the X-Men get outed. Mm Mm-hmm. Where uh, there's a bunch of kids who are fucking with Cyclops. And then later other kids at the mansion. And the reason they're doing it is to provoke an incident. So, you know, yeah. the police will have a reason to lock everyone up. So it, it, it made a little more sense there. But at the same time, you're throwing rocks at like five people who can shoot fire out of their bodies. Also... The mutants aren't inherently evil in the way we're given to understand the Dark One is inherently evil. Yeah. Part of the reason they're doing it is because they know that the mutants can't respond without being seen as the bad guys. Meanwhile, Rumpel, in theory, has no problem being seen as the bad guy. So Rumpel's like, okay, I'm going to go talk to the baker. And Bay's like, don't do it. Don't do it. Look, look, we just need to 
We just need to leave everyone alone. We just need to act normal and eventually they will accept us. And Rumble's like, we can just move, you know, which is a solution he could have done, you know, earlier in his life. Right? But he's bringing it up now. Look, we can just live somewhere else where, you know, and I can probably use magic to make me not look like this. Also, Rumble hasn't done anything wrong at this point, so he shouldn't have to prove himself. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, like, this whole premise is so shaky. So all of the townspeople show up now because there is another monster. Yes, another monster called a Grendel. Grendel was his name. Anyway, this monster has stolen a bunch of their family members, and oh, now all of a sudden they like Rumpel, and they want Rumpel to go off and kill this monster. Again, this doesn't particularly work with what just happened to Bay because everyone was cool and on Rumpel's side in the tavern, so this would track if we didn't have a now Bay is getting bullied thing in between. Yeah, especially given what it turns out Grendel is. Hmm. So they come to Rumpel for help saving all of the people who've been taken by Grendel. He tells them he can't because he promised Bay that he wouldn't use magic anymore. And Bay's like, well then go save them without magic, Dad. Papa? He thinks that if Rumpel can go and save them without magic, then they'll know that he's a good person without the dagger, and therefore they should all stop being mean to them? <sighs> Alright. So back in the present, uh, Zelina is doing a little nursery rhyme thing to calm the ba- her baby as she enters her uh, farmhouse. It's about munchkins, which seems... Racist. Yeah. Well, we we already know that Zelina is racist against Munchkin, so it's okay. Yes, Zelina and Regina are both fairy tale racist. She walks into the house and she pops a fireball because someone's there, but whoa, it's Wish vs. Robin. And she's like, you're not taking my baby. And he's like, I don't want your fucking baby. He tells her, I just want you to help me use this magic I stole from your sister to break out of Storybrooke and get the fuck out of here. Like, no offense, but... I came to this world to get a new start, and I can't do that when your sister's following me around with moon eyes all the time. Also, what what's making the barrier around the town now? Like, I literally forgot what's stopping people from leaving the town this time around. I literally don't remember either. But Robin tells Zelina that she should help him because she needs to get out of here too. Because people are only tolerating her by, like, the skin of her teeth. And as soon as she does something bad, which she inevitably will do because she's inherently bad, they will all turn on her and take her baby, so... Clearly Robin hasn't been paying attention because Zelina's been stabbing them in the back fairly consistently. But he does also know that she would be down with just taking off to New York together. Mm. To clarify, he doesn't want to start a family with her or anything. He just knows that they both want to get out of there. Right. Meanwhile, Rumpel is having another awful conversation with Gideon about how he's going to help him, but... Gideon tells him that he can't trust Rumpel unless Rumpel shows trust in him by undoing the magical cords that are binding him. So Rumpel does that. So Rumpel and Bay are going into the caves to fight the Grendel and Bay's really upset because he saw Rumple bring the dagger and Rumple's like, look, I can just teleport in, save everyone, and then get this all over with in the blink of an eye. And Bay's like, no, good deeds only count if you use physical strength only. 
ignoring the fact that Rumpel also has, you know, super strength and super speed and enhanced reflexes as part of his whole Dark One deal. So how would that be any different than just straight up using magic? Rumpel is going to be using magic no matter what, uh, because Rumpel is an inherently magical creature. Right. At this point. So even if he goes in there and kills Grendel physically, he's still going to be using magic. He is inherently magic. Then Bay tells him that the dagger is like the crutch. The crutch that he used when he had his when he had his leg hobbled earlier. And that he didn't really need the crutch because if he tried hard enough, he could move around the cabin slowly one step at a time. And that's what he should do with the dagger, too. Just slowly, one step at a time, kill the Grendel. It's it's inherently ableist to, to discuss the crutch as though it is a thing that a person should be forced to discard when it's a thing that allows them to move easier. The fact that Bay thinks that using a crutch was somehow bad when Rumpel had his leg hobbled is... Not good. It's not a good look. Yeah, wrong, yeah. New Bay, fake Bay, is the sort of person who will take a picture of someone standing up out of a wheelchair as a gotcha thing and post it on the internet when people use wheelchairs for a wide variety of reasons. And some people can move for short distances without them, but that doesn't mean it's not a necessary tool to get through life. Yeah. Like... Yeah, Bay is super ableist here. It's, it's like Heidi. Yeah, the <laughs> the children's story. The children's story about how it turns out that all you need to do to be able to walk is to throw someone's wheelchair off a mountain, and then encourage them a lot, and they'll be able to magically walk when they couldn't before. That also happens in Pollyanna and Secret Garden. Uh, is that just a thing in children's literature? I mean, it's less so in Secret Garden, because in Secret Garden, the kid, it, I mean, the kid has, I mean, they don't say, they don't call it out for what is wrong with the kid, but basically what the kid has is Munkhausen's by proxy. Yeah. So, but that aside. Yeah, that's a weird running thing in that era of children's literature, but that always bothered me about Heidi. That bothered me about Pollyanna. Like, no, people, people need wheelchairs. Wheelchairs are a necessary thing they're a tool they're a tool like any other like i need assistance to see i can see things that are very close up to me but if i'm not wearing my contacts i won't be able to see things and no amount of good attitude is going to help me magically able to see things help me be able to magically see things i mean glasses are the best example because it's well, it's an acceptable disability aid that people don't think about as being a disability aid because exactly. they're so common. Yeah. Uh, basically, fake bay is the worst. Fake bay is indeed the worst. But we also go back to the fun season six magic, uh, season six of Buffy, magic is an addiction, blah, blah, blah thing where Rumpel's like, I can't do it without magic. And also I need magic because magic's an addiction, although I'm inherently a magical person. So this this <sighs> metaphor is just all over the place. Is magic a disability thing? Is magic an addiction thing? Which He gives the dagger to Bay and is like, here, this will keep me from using the dagger. 
So back in the present, Gideon hands Rumple a copy of Her Handsome Hero, that book Belle's been obsessed with since the hell season, and retroactively was as a child. Yes, well, Her Handsome Hero is the book that Belle sings about in the in the opening of the cartoon Beauty and the Beast. It's also the book Gideon's named after. And apparently, as a child, he discovered the book amongst the Black Fairy's things, and he smuggled it into his cell to read. She found out about it, got super honked off, and was like, Hey, look, if you want to be a hero, fine. I'm going to beat the shit out of another one of the kids that I've collected. And I'll put in, and I'll put you in a position where you could save him. I'll leave your cell door unlocked, but you won't. Thus, like, psychologically instilling in you the idea that you're not a hero. Also, you said that the Black Fairy discovered that he had the book. I definitely assumed that she allowed him to find it as part of playing out this little twisted pageant that she did with him. The Black Fairy, again, it falls to pieces in a fairly short amount of time, but the Black Fairy is actually just a really horrifying character. We get such a good episode with her as a villain later. Yes, this story of abuse was genuinely hard to watch. Again, we go to the fantasy evil versus real world evil where she falls into a very real world evil thing she brings these children into her house just so she can psychologically and physically abuse them well the black fairy is interesting because the abuse that she inflicts upon these children is very much real world abuse but it also lines up with folktale ideas of what fairies were Hmm. well her morality is just completely alien like fairies in, in folktales. Not so much in Once Upon a Time. Although God knows we've seen enough weird stuff from Blue. Right. So Rumpel's like, shut up about your abusive childhood and drink this tea. And as Gideon takes the tea, he's like, I wish I could forget my childhood. Glug, glug, glug. And Rumpel tells him, good news, this tea will make him forget everything. And Gideon gratefully hugs Rumpel, but really it's just a ruse to steal his dagger because... Turns out, since he was raised by the Black Fairy, he's immune to this tea. Also, now he has the dagger and all of the powers of the Dark One. All of the Dark Ones. So, good going, Rumpel. Hmm. Maybe, maybe just don't take your dagger with you all the time. Like, you used to hide it, which was the better move. Right? Like, th- this is why you don't just put it in your pocket. So, back in the past, Rumpel and Bay enter the cave to find everyone dead as hell. It is super corpsey in here. Really dark. Very dark, right? Also, I don't get why Bay came along for this little adventure, other than to, I guess, assure that his dad wasn't going to use magic. But maybe don't take your kid with you when you're monster fighting? I mean, yeah, right? So, they're venturing further and further into the cave. They can hear the Grendel roaring. So as they get further into the cave, they find a horn, a horn that Rumple realizes is an ogre call, like a thing that people who were fighting the ogre wars were using. So he starts to become suspicious, but not suspicious enough because Beowulf jumps out, grabs Bay, manages to take the dagger, and then reveal that he's the one who kidnapped and killed all these people so that he could blame it on Rumple, so that they would all hate Rumple properly. Yes, because since Rumpel killed all of the ogres using magic, that means that 
Beowulf didn't get to be the hero he wanted to be, and I guess it's thinly implied that he was calling the ogres to the village with the ogres call, which he has a really, really specific idea of what a hero should be and do. Oh gosh, I didn't even realize he was calling- I didn't realize that was the implication. I thought that that was just a device that people who were fighting the ogres were using, and Rumpel was realizing that it was Beowulf who had done this. Not that Beowulf was summoning ogres, which obviously, yes, obviously that's what it was. Oh my god! Yeah. What a dick! So, why'd the, why'd the Blue Fairy think he was a good guy to give that magic sword to? She's terrible! I want to point out, Beowulf very easily could have used the horn to be, you know, the hero by being like, Hey, I've got a horn that attracts ogres' attention. I'm going to use it to draw the ogres away from the village. But that wouldn't fit in with this show's really weird idea of if you have the fight instinct, then you are a hero. And if you have the flight instinct, then you are a coward and therefore bad. Yeah. Like, it doesn't fit into that for him to use cleverness to just direct the ogres away from populated areas. You know, the whole thing about Odysseus in the Odyssey is that he is clever as opposed to a straightforward fighter like like your Achilles. Like your Achilles is? Your Theseus is. So, I guess Theseus used some clever stuff. Yeah, I'm just saying, in the in the morality of Once Upon a Time, Odysseus would have been a villain too. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. If you use brains instead of brawn, you are a bad person. God damn it, Once Upon a Time. So, it, now, Beowulf, so now Beowulf has the dagger. Great. It's just... They could make such a good point about how presentation isn't everything and if your heroism is self-motivated instead of for the good of the people you're trying to protect then it isn't real heroism they don't touch on that not at all so in the present rumple gives gideon the spell that will let him fix the sword but one of the components of the spell is the blood of the person who originally forged the sword now that's going to stop being the case about halfway through this plot oh my god this show yeah so rumple's like you know i have the power of all of the dark ones you could just grab emma and the two and the two of us could kick the black fairy's ass fairly easily and gideon's like no i need to be the hero i need to make up for not saving that kid i need to be the one to take her down and then gideon doesn't even ask rumple to go get the blood of the person who forged the sword he wants to kill that person himself, so he asks Rumpel who forged the sword, and Rumpel tells him the Blue Fairy. Again, this is all Gideon. Gideon's motivation is bad. It seems good because he wants to stop the Black Fairy, but it's actually, no, he wants to be the one to stop the Black Fairy. It's not about the ends, it's about the means. Yeah, this show could have been a really interesting examination of that if it had any interest in doing so. Nope. Instead, Gideon uses the dagger to command Rumple not to stop him. So, Robin Hood is waiting on the edge of town for Zelina, who has packed not a lot of stuff considering th- she's thinking about leaving. It's like two suitcases and a snake in a cage. A snake in a cage. Which, you have a baby. Uh, I, I've seen how people travel with babies. They do not bring just two suitcases and a snake in a cage. Wait, can we go back and talk about how she calls the snake in the cage the queen cobra? Like a king cobra, but it's the queen? Oh, God. 
Come on, it's cute. Also, that snake can't be happy. Like, it's a pretty small cage. Snakes need, like, terrariums. I'll take your word for it. They need terrariums, and they need lights, and you need to buy special, you know, mice to feed them and stuff. Like, I just feel like Zelina is not being a good snake owner. Or David, or whoever's taking care of the snake at this point. She does mention that she took the snake from... The Charmings. She says she stole it from the Charmings. So I guess it's not surprising that David is not being good to the evil queen. That's fine. Whatever. I'm just saying, hopefully she... Oh, I guess... Can she not die if Regina's still alive? Um, yeah. I think as long as Regina's still alive, she can't die. Wow, that sets up a lot of really frightening torture scenarios. Hmm. Yeah. Huh. Anyway... I, I do like how they've apparently stopped the whole whatever happens to one happens to the other thing. Because, you know, with Jekyll and Hyde, if you cut up Jekyll's face, then Hyde's face would get cut. But apparently being turned into a snake isn't the same thing. Nope, totally different. So Regina shows up at the town line. To- In, I think, her worst outfit because she's added a terrible hat to the camel. I was <laughs> going to bring up the fact that she's wearing a pale pink fedora. I I don't I don't know what they were going for here. I mean, I think the show is trying really hard to push that this is what Regina is like when she's good and weak. This is this is the Princess Emma version of Regina. Oh god, it is. So Regina's like, what the fuck, bro? Why are you leaving town? And uh gets so close. Wish first Robin gets so close to whipping out the concerned badger face, but he's like, look. I can't live up to that dude. Like, he is a different person. And again, like I said to Zelina, I can't live a good life with you always hanging around doing sad eyes at me. Well, I mean, he can't be her dead boyfriend. That has to be really hard. I genuinely am on his side here, you know? So she's like, look, if I could break the spell, I would. You don't have to go around stealing my magic. I will try to help you leave the town if that's what you really want. And he's like, I don't believe you. And he pours the potions he stole from her on the town line. The potions that Selena has zhuzhed up. That's why he saw her earlier. I mean, it makes sense, right? It's not like Regina wants everybody to be trapped in town. Yeah, she hates everyone. She definitely would have taken down the wall if she could take down the wall. Again, I don't remember where this wall came from. The last time I remember a barrier being around town, it was because... Dark one Emma put one up that turned people into trees. Was there one after that? Well, I think it's an inherent part of the spell. I don't know. It doesn't matter. The point is Regina says that she will do whatever it takes to get the barrier down so that Robin can leave if that's really what he wants. Because she's not an evil queen anymore. She doesn't hold people hostage. So back in the past, Beowulf is walking back into town to tell them that Grendel was actually Rumpelstiltskin and he defeated him and therefore they should all give him the Gaston treatment. Yep, and Bay manages to sneak up behind him and take the dagger from out of his belt. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, Beowulf really, uh, he's not great at this. No, no, I guess not. He'll, yeah, Beowulf's only good when he has magical weapons, but it turns out that magical weapons aren't any good if you can't keep a hold of them, Beowulf. Yeah, it's twice in one episode. Yeah. So Bay uses the dagger to summon his father, even though he thought that was evil when it wasn't his own life immediately on the line. Fucker. So Rumpel telekinetically throws around Beowulf and he's like, look, 
I'm not going to kill you because my son doesn't want me to kill people. I'm just going to go back into town and tell everyone that you've been murdering their friends and family. And Beowulf's like, no one's going to believe you. You're the dark one. They're all scared of you. And Rumpel's like, they're not scared of me. They asked me for help and they were all cheering me. And apparently they feel comfortable beating up my kid. And fake Bay is like, no, Papa, they're right. They'll never believe us. Yes, Beowulf is right. And the only solution is that you need to murder him. I mean, the fuck? The fuck, fake Bay. This is so out of character for him. Ugh. It's so out of character. It, it, it just, it doesn't work. This whole thing doesn't fit in with any established characterization we've seen for Bay, or honestly for Rumple. Like, Rumple g- immediately got on the murder train as soon as he got his Dark One powers. Yes, Rumple definitely would have killed this guy who endangered his son. And instead, it requires that Bay use the dagger to order him to kill Beowulf. Which is just so many shades of fucked up. So, yeah, Rumple, Rumple, it's weird. Robert Carlyle puts on his crying face, and then he, like, if you are a person imitating a cat jumping, that's the way he jumps on Beowulf. He looks like that image of Jason Momoa on the red carpet. Going after Henry Cavill. Yeah. Yeah. He does this weird cat jump onto Beowulf, and then Beowulf turns his head really hard and... I guess he broke his neck by doing that. Well, that's what the Foley artist tells us. So back in the present, Gideon finds Blue in the woods. It's night now. I guess she's just been searching literally all day. Yeah. And Gideon is like, hey, you were supposed to be my fairy godmother and you really fucked up, which is true. It that, is. that is an accurate statement. And she's like, uh, crap. This is one of the situations where I'm not insanely powerful magic wise. And he freezes her and he's like, I'm going to take her blood and Rumble's like you no I I'm not going to I'm not going to stop you from taking what you need from her but I'm going to take it from her and then give it to you and therefore the sin will be on me instead of you even though I'm doing it for you and That's not the way darkness works Rumple. Yeah, but he cuts Blue's palm in order to collect the blood he needs to reforge the sword and then also somehow steal out her magic. These are different things. But... I I mean, I think the implication is that now all of her now all of her magic is inside the sword, not just the little bit of light magic she originally put in there. Yeah, yeah. He says, like, she's now drained of her magic, and the sword has all of its power again, but you're still pure because I was the one who did it. Now... That's not how that works, Rumple. And Gideon's like, thanks, now that I've got a giant sword, I guess I don't need your dinky little dagger. And he hands it back because trust has been established between father and son. That's just really dumb. You had the dagger. Never give up the dagger. So back in the past, Bay's like, I now that I've got a taste for the darkness, I want to go full ass evil. Let's start murdering some people. Let's start burning down villages. Let's flip people inside out. I'm going to start drinking blood and eating babies. And Rumpel's like, before you before you do all that, why don't you have some tea? Here's the thing. Bay's not being totally unreasonable here. Other than the fact that he's being really hypocritical. He's like, I know I told you not to have power, but I didn't realize power is awesome. Yes, it is very... 
Dipper and Revenge. Also, it's very out of character for Rumple to be against this instead of just being like, yeah, good point. Let's go steal a castle and just be awesome together. Yeah, let's rule let's rule this land as immortal godlike dark beings. Instead, Rumple, a Rumple who has at this point in the timeline not yet had Bell trying to make him a better man, gives Bay a tea of forgetting so that Bay will forget that the that Beowulf tried to kill them, and by forgetting that there are bad people in the world who try to do them harm, will again give up power. That is terrible, right? I'm not sure that's what it is. It's, he's making him forget the dark path he started going down on, I think is the point of this, except... Well, all he doesn't remember anything from the time they were in the cave. Yeah. So... Basically, what Rumple is doing is making him forget that Beowulf, someone who was trying to be heroic, was in fact doing bad things. He's making Bay forget that there's evil in the world to keep him from trying to seize power to protect himself. Evil other than Rumple. This is terrible on so many levels. And Bay's like, I can't believe you killed Beowulf for no reason. You really are a monster. I'm going to run outside so the baker's son can beat me up some more. Terrible parenting, Rumple. Just real F-minus parenting. Uh, you know what would have been a better thing for him to do? Also not great, but better. What? Give him the forgetting potion, but make it so that he just remembered finding out that Beowulf was the one who killed all those people and being like, yeah, and then I killed him. And not remembering how cool it felt to, like, kill people. Yeah, just make him forget the part where he was responsible for it. I mean, I think the right thing to do would be use your words, not a memory potion, but that's just me. I'm not a parent, so maybe it's not right for me to judge things like that. I'm just saying, like, if he's going to use magic to fix the situation anyway... He could use magic to fix, to fix the situation in a way that makes Bay understand that, you know. Sometimes people have to die. Not necessarily that, but like, he could use magic to make Bay understand the situation and not be culpable for the thing that he did. Yeah. Back in the present, Rumpel brings the unconscious body of Blue back to his shop and Belle is like, wait, I thought you were done being evil. And Rumble's like, no, 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 I just did this so that Kideon wouldn't do it. See? And Bill's like, oh, okay, I guess that's cool. God, they're terrible. Yeah. Also, also, I may have prevented Gideon from actually doing this bad thing to Blue, but now he has a giant magical sword that he's going to try to kill Emma with, so I guess we should get on that problem that I created. Well, he's like, look, as long as Gideon has me in his corner, I can direct him to minimize the damage he's doing, which is, honest to God, not the worst point in the world. But his goal is to stab Emma. Yeah, like, you could have done intermedi intermediary things, but Belle's all aboard this train. She's like, okay, cool, whatever. She's not just all aboard this train. She's like, oh, you are doing the right thing. Questionable. So if you're doing the right thing after all this time of being evil, maybe our son will do the right thing too. No, definitely not. Definitely, definitely not. Meanwhile, in the plot that you forgot was in this episode, because it was, you know, only very briefly at the beginning and then not touched on since, uh, Hook is still getting drunk at Granny's. 
Also, Granny brought him a burger at some point. Well, he had he has like 10 shots in front of him. I'm sure at some point she was like, you need some food in there or else I'm going to lose my liquor license for letting you get as sloshed as you're getting. He does not eat that burger, though. Nope. He also doesn't pay. I mean, I, I guess maybe there's a tab or something. Yeah. I guess Granny probably just has everyone's cards on uh, record now. I mean, that's what I would do if I was Granny, considering how often people run in and out of her diner. Mm. So... Hook runs over to Emma's house, which I guess she gets to keep, even though she took it as the dark one. Well, it was empty. Emptied it out first. It's fine. It's fine. Anyway, Hook has summoned all of his liquid courage, and he goes into the house, and he's like, Emma, there's something terrible and important I have to tell you. And Emma's like, I know, I found the ring, and my answer is yes. Least romantic proposal ever. She's like... Yes, but I also want you to get down on one knee. And he's like, okay, let's do this proper. Emma Swan, will you marry me? P.S. I murdered your grandfather. Except he doesn't say that last part. No, he just gets a terrible, sad look on his face when he realizes that he has this dark secret that he must now carry to his grave. Yeah. So, they're engaged now. Yay. God, this is... I mean, they're they're really rocking a Riley-Buffy thing here. Like, this is the relationship it reminds me of the most, where they're, like, together when they remember that they are. Ha! <laughs> oh, that's true. So, down in Regina's vault, Regina is mixing up potions to try to bring down the town barrier. When Zelina shows up and is like, hey, sorry I tried to help your boyfriend run away. And Regina's like, actually, this one's kind of my fault. And Zelina's like, wow, the one time I try to apologize, I don't actually have to? Cool! Energy is like, look, this is kind of on me. I was projecting a lot, and I guess this got you dragged into it because of your history with Robin, which we're just we're we're not talking about. We're just gliding right over that. But look, if I want to be happy, I need to start taking responsibility. I need to stop looking into the past. I need to admit that. I was the evil queen, and the whole splitting myself off thing was a dumb idea. I need to start taking responsibility for my actions. And I will point out, in this scene, she's not wearing the terrible camel-colored coat anymore. She's changed into a red coat, because she is now accepting that she is the evil queen, or rather, that the evil queen is at least a part of her. Yes, that she is responsible for her actions, that you can't just say that all of the bad things you did were the, were someone living inside of your soul tummy and if you barf them out and murder them it will make you a good person yes so regina pulls the cover off of the snake cage that zelina has brought with her and the snake is gone this so the evil queen snake escaped and was stalking robin we get a kind of neat shot of like the snake's point of view as it follows him yeah it's supposed to be a very like garden of eden thing because he's chilling out at a tree in the forest and the snake like slithers up to him and then it like strikes it bites him and somehow doing that allows it to transform back into the evil queen like it well it's because when robin tried to use the magic breaking potion on the town line he got it on his hands ah so she so she was able to bite a little bit of it off and turn back into the evil queen. Okay, okay. Yeah. I'm okay with that. little contrived, but fine. She explains to him the plot of, you know, the last chapter, that she is the evil queen, split in part from Regina. 
And good Regina can't help him accomplish his goals. But maybe the evil queen can. Yay? Mm. So, this episode was pointless. Like, it's one of those episodes where, oh, we're creating a new backstory that doesn't work with the characters to draw parallels with a current story that's going on, which is something the show does a lot and almost never works. You could literally just watch the last 10 minutes of this episode and be okay. Also, I mean, we haven't done this segment in a long, long time, but I just wanted to bring up, Rumpel is also now Grendel. Well, Beowulf is Grendel. I mean, I was thinking of Rumpel being Grendel because the Grendel only exists because Beowulf was trying to frame Rumpel as the Grendel, therefore Rumpel is Grendel, but also therefore Beowulf is Grendel. Hmm. Well, is Rumpel, uh, is Rumpel Grendel's mother? Because he created Grendel. If he hadn't stopped the ogres from going down, then Beowulf wouldn't have needed to create the Grendel persona. So. Okay, there you go. Beowulf is Grendel, Rumpel is Grendel's mother. And the dragon, since he's the one who kills Beowulf. Yes. Or Grendel's mother, if you're talking about the Angelina Jolie uh, Beowulf movie. I like the motion capture Beowulf movie. My god, it's so bad. The scene where he strips down for no reason to fight Grendel, and then it just plays hide the penis for, like, an entire fight scene. Whatever. I thought that movie was... I thought that movie was good for what it was, which was... The idea that all of the epic stories we have are epic stories told from the point of view of the white men who are trying to make themselves look good, and here's what they would actually have looked like. That is a take on that movie. That movie was written by Neil Gaiman. That's 100% what he was going for. I feel like the execution doesn't really bear the weight of the concept. I'm I'm an Angelina Jolie monster and my feet are high heels. Yes! If you, if you don't think a monster played by Angelina Jolie would have feet that were high heels, I don't know what to tell you. There are cool things in that movie. That is not my recommendation for what you should engage with instead of this episode. Is that the name of that segment? Yeah, now it is. <laughs> what is your recommendation? Um, my recommendation is reading the book Grendel. Oh my god, that's such a great book. It's a really good book. I, I, I have a weakness for from the monster's point of view stories. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, well, I do wholeheartedly recommend Grendel. If you want to go to the original text, then I recommend the Seamus Heaney translation. Oh, yeah, that's so good. I haven't read that in a really long Honestly, time. Honestly, that translation obliterates all other translations. You shouldn't read any other version. So uh, those are the recommendations for Fashion Corner. It's just, God, was Regina's Thank coat Thank God awful. Regina took that coat off. Yes. Otherwise, nothing really stood out. Eh, I think that might be about it. I think that does us for this week. And we're in the middle part where it gets really bad. Don't worry, it'll pick up at the end just in time to get us excited for the reboot season, which will then go downhill real fast. But for now, we're just going to leave it here. Yeah, for now, that'll about do it. So our show is partially listener supported. If you would like to be one of the supporters, you could go to our website, www.ilovetelevisionzines, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, and Ryan. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you can always rate and review us on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash I Love Television Zines. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Storybook. <laughs> Thank you.
has made in its spell That old black magic that you weave so well I see fingers up and down my spine Same old witchcraft when your eyes meet mine Same old tingle that I feel inside